Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Grief fundamentally changes who we are and how we see the world. It's painful and heartbreaking, but also transformative and magical. This podcast is about grief and loss, but more importantly, it's about life and living fearlessly. I'm Kelsey Chittick, and welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Grieve. All right. Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited about today's discussion. My guest today is an exceptional person. I've spoke with him a few times, and I already know that I have a ton to learn from him. He is an author. He has spoke at a TED Talk. He goes around and shares a lot of knowledge about grief and what it's like to go through this process. And I am so excited for you guys to listen to him. Jason Rosenthal is here. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. We've talked a little bit about all the different parts of grief and the journey, and there's so many important things that we can touch on. But because this podcast is a bit shorter, I want to focus on a, a couple things that have been important in my journey that you seem to have nailed in, in ways that I haven't quite yet. And I think it's a little bit because of your situation and how uh, your wife left left some directions for you. So do you mind just kind of telling people how you ended up on this podcast to start with? Well, sure. A, a few reasons, I hope. But I think the primary reason people may know my name is because my late wife, Amy Krause Rosenthal, five years ago, penned an essay uh, for the Modern Love column of the New York Times. And the essay was essentially in the form of a uh, dating profile, if you will, for me. It was also, you know, incredibly brilliant in its writing and poignant in its words and humorous because she was a very accomplished writer as well. And that essay went crazy viral and was read by millions and millions of folks all over the world. And it allowed me to get this this platform that I never anticipated or expected And uh, I hope people are starting to know me now, not just from that, but through my speaking, as you suggested, and uh, some of my writing as well. Yeah. So I, I read her article and I, I just, my first thought was just how cool, how cool to know that you all had a, a marriage and a relationship that was truly about wanting the best for one another. You know, you talk to some people and I have some, like my my parents' generation, they're like, if if I go first, he better not, you know, do he better not move on. And it's this kind of idea of ownership or that like 
this is this this idea that we're supposed to love one person our whole lives and by loving anyone else or or having different relationships we're not honoring the person we were with and i really like to challenge that i mean i could challenge the whole institute of marriage for a, a bunch of different reasons but i think i feel that more now as a widow we both lost i lost nate in november of 2017 and you were a couple March. March. And I, I always like to tell people where we are in terms of time, because I hated more than anything when people would say time heals, but damn it, they were right, you know, because it, it does get better. And so whenever you're listening to this conversation, I want people that are early in grief know that we weren't always like this. We weren't always joking, or maybe we were inside of deep pain, but just always be aware that every year it gets better because you have memories that don't end in them only. You start to create a life that has different people in it. So I just want you to know, as Jason and I speak about this, there is time that has healed a lot and led us to a place where these conversations and these these new experiences with new people have come about because we, we've gotten to that place where we could. No, I totally agree. You know, I'm not a big fan of the traditional stages of grief, oh. you know? <laughs> But I think you're right. Of course, you know, the first year, let's say roughly, mm-hmm. is brutal and unbearable. And it's, you know, for me at least, was, was a lot of fog. You know, you're just walking through, you're taking one step at a time. And then, of course, things tend to loose up, loosen up a little bit. Just that's the nature of life. You know, early on, someone said to me, you know, Jason, I promise you, you're going to find joy, you're going to find beauty. And I, I was like, yeah, you don't understand. This is Amy that I lost. You know, it's not, it's not going to be possible. But of course that person was right. And eventually that does happen. You begin to take baby steps into joy, into love, into music, into whatever made you, you know, who you were prior to your loss. And yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting the way you said that because I read a quote recently that said something like a broken heart is more capable, if you will, of love. You know what I mean? Because you've seen so many aspects of life. You've seen the beauty, you've seen the joy, you've seen the devastation, the utter grief, and it makes you a better person in a way. I know it's hard, it's weird to say. Yeah. I, you said it perfectly, actually. I always think it, it feels to me now like I'm more here on this planet than I was the first 21 years I was married. You know, I was with Nate. I, I was kind of doing what I always thought you do as a human being. And we were having kids and we were living a life and we were going to barbecues. And once he died, everything got like techno color. Everything felt different. Everything felt bigger and harder and more beautiful. And the good was greater than I could have ever imagined because it's relief from the pain. And the pain was worse than I ever imagined because I I couldn't freaking believe that this had happened. Can you share with anybody, like what were some of the practices that saved you that first year because I, 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 and I, we both have children and we'll get to that. But, you know, one of the things I remember when, when Nate died, I talked to other people who had lost parents and, and I remember them, every single one of them said, listen, the death of the person was awful, but we loved them and we knew they were okay. What we really needed was our surviving parent to thrive for us to be okay. And so that kind of became my North star pretty early on. Not that I was tending to, and I had young kids, they were nine and 12, but I remember thinking, that damn, you know, airplane thing is true. Like put your mask on first before you put it on the kids, because I knew for some reason what they were looking at was how I was going to be. And if we were going to be happy again. And so 
I'm sure your kids were older, but I know that they were concerned about you because of the time when Amy left, you guys were about to be empty nesters and had a whole second story that you were going to live. And that dream kind of got squashed in a half a second for you. And all those plans changed. So what, what did you do to work your way into being okay so your kids could go on and live their lives without worrying about you? It's a great question. And I think there's two different answers. The first part is about finding myself again, because, you know, as we discussed a little bit in our, in our conversation earlier, you know, I had some time with Amy, which was really significant for me, you know, and really saved me. Like in a way, her essay really saved me too. It gave me such incredibly clear and expressed permission to move on. So I did have that. And I try to, I try to give that to people now and in the way I speak about, speak about grief and loss. So there, there was one, one part of it was finding myself again, and that was through physical exercise and taking care of my body and, you know, as, as cliche as this now sounds, practicing mindfulness and, and a regular practice. And then the other thing was really talking openly with my kids, like you suggest, they were older, they were young adults. And I remember early, pretty early on, you know, because I'd been taking care of Amy for quite some time, I said, you yeah, know, I think I'm ready to date a little bit. And like you said, I struggled with even bringing that concept up for so long. Yeah. You know, even the suggestion to my own children, are you kidding? It was, it was really hard. But I do think you're correct. You know, people want you to be happy. There's really not that much judgment. And if there's judgment, you don't want to be around those people anyway. And I'm blessed, you know, to have an incredible core group of friends. And like I said, my children and my extended family. You know, I'm sure there was some discussion behind my back, but mostly I think people were really encouraging me to to find some happiness again. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because I've found the timing of it. People are always like, oh, it's, you know, maybe at a year, maybe at two years. Maybe. I mean, I, I found for me and my husband was a he was an NFL football player. That guy got around before he met me. So he really, he really got it out of his system. I, on the other hand, was a classy woman in college and I did not do those things. So I could hear him in my head when I was 40, when he died, being like, get out there, girl. Like, don't, th- this is not the time to be small. And I, I think if you're grieving, one of the things, and I don't know if this was true for you, but I really missed if you've been married or in a, in a relationship with someone you really love, I missed physical touch more than I thought. I remember feeling like like a person who hadn't been hugged for too long. I mean, you were you were hugged, but it was with grief. Like people were they were holding you because they felt sad for you. And I wanted to feel that connection. I wanted to hold hands with someone again. I wanted to sit next to someone and watch a show. And I remember feeling this kind of physical desire to be touched again. And I think it's weird because you then, at least for me, when you first start dating, the person does kind of, you are competing with these two memories. And I think God made our brains pretty exceptional because he thought of this, he, she, universe, whatever, thought of this. And we do have ability over time to kind of create new pathways and meditation along with that acceptance that you need that and that's okay, really saved me too. I wanna go to meditation only because I don't think there's anything more important in grief work than sitting in the moment and and being with it. Everybody that I've talked to, and I feel like I'm sure you do, you talk to a lot of people that have dead people. Um, It just seems to be the market that we're in based on our experience. And everybody I know that's thriving got real still that first year. 
not around logistics of death, but got when they were in pain, they sat with it. And they really learned how to be in the present moment. And I think that's when the magic starts to happen. And I didn't understand it until Nate died, what it meant to be right where you are. What What is your meditation practice currently? And is it kind of something you can't live without at this point? Yes, pretty much. You know, I want to just say also, Amy had this way about her where she did live that way. She lived in the present moment. It was unbelievable, you know, and I never really appreciated that quite as much until after she was gone and, and learned so much from that, you know. So I had that voice in my head. And she was kind of obsessed with death in a way, too, which is kind of Same looking back on us. Yeah. But yeah, you know, for, for the most part, I experimented with different types of meditation and, and I settled in with one person that I just sort of sit for 10 minutes every day. And uh, that's the way I start my day. Sam Harris? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Waking up? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Look at you, Sam. We're all doing it. Yeah, there's just, I, I always thought when I used to hear about people losing their spouse, I would feel so bad. And I remember about a year before Nate died, someone in the neighborhood, their husband died. And I remember thinking like, that's unbearable. You, you just can't make it through that. Like, how are those kids going to survive? And I remember being on the other side of it, knowing that quickly there had to be some resources that life had made. I think exercise and meditation, whenever I tell anybody, well, the first six months, just hang on. And then after that, you do start to dig into practices that are old, old, century old practices that kind of save you. When did you feel that first moment where you're like, holy shit, I'm going to be okay. Like that. Do you remember ever going like, I went out and it wasn't all sad and it was, and I laughed a true laugh. And I thought, my God, I might just make it through this thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's another really, really good question. And I think it was probably, I had decided to go on a, a trip by myself to the West coast and I was talking to my son, Miles, and, and I said I wanted to do something that I probably would not have ever done with mom, you know. And he said, that's, that's what you should do. You know, he, he, it was his idea. And so I sent an email out to a bunch of my, my dudes, my, my friends, and said, I'm going to this concert in Colorado. You guys want to come and meet me? And so I went to California, then I, you know, by myself, and then I met them in Colorado. And it was they called it the Heal Jason tour. Amen. <laughs> you know? Amen. And yeah. So we went to see the show of a band that I love a lot and I was enjoying myself and dancing. And there it was, you know, I, I realized that there are people there to lift me up. There's music, there's dancing, there's, there's joy to be had. And you know, that wasn't boom the moment, but I did feel that sense at that, at that time. Yeah, that's beautiful. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I, I also yeah. love the fact that, and I'm sure you have this experience, I now am okay with my grief when it comes. I, I actually welcome it when those tears come and you navigate them in this beautiful way of like, oh, I don't want this to go away. Like this, this is what makes me, this is what was worth the pain. This ability to be like, look at this human experience where we have great grief, we have great joy, we miss someone, we love someone. What are your, like when you look back at, when you look back at your time with Amy, what was, if she could say something to you now, and not that she hopes you're happy. Lord knows, we all know everybody wants everyone to be happy. And anyways, happy is such a joke to begin with. That's not what we're going for, like deep joy. But what would she think about where you are and what would she want most for you for these next 40 years? That's a good question. I mean, she always said to me, and I wrote about this in, in my book, that she said I was the writer in the family, which is, I, I know she was building me up, but you know, I'd write these long letters to her and stuff like that. And so I think that she would be really proud of me that I found my my writing voice, you know. Um, Tell us the, the name of your book. I, it's wonderful. It spoke to me. My wife said, you may want to marry me. And can you it's tell them by, why that's that's the title? Yeah, her essay was called, You May Want to Marry My Husband. What a badass. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so great. And so that was, that was a play on that. And um, it was also that I wrote a modern love column in response to hers, which was that title. So they picked up on that. And um, yeah, and, um, I, you know, I would, I would think she'd want me to be real close to my children and be there to support them and to have a, a second chapter full of love. Yeah. I really I, do, you know. Of course. I, and I think that's what people, there's, there is no better way to honor someone that loved you than by loving again. I just think if they taught you about love, wouldn't they want you to spread love and be loved? And I feel well, like... Well, but that's, you know, that's, a, that's, you and I can say that five years later, but that's a really, really difficult concept to come around to, you know? Oh, it's really a, hard. It's a lot of therapy. It's a lot of meditation. It's a, it's a psychedelic here and there. We did, we did leave out therapy, you know, for me, for sure. Yeah. That, that was not something I had experienced much in my life, but yes, it saved me for sure. Just a safe space to talk and to cry and to discuss dating or whatever you wanted to talk about, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. There's a lot that we carry around. And I think what, what therapy, and I, I talk about this a little bit for my experience, because the NFL paid for a lot of our therapy. I always think like, how can we help people make sure that they have the resources to get therapy? Because it, it really matters and you don't need it forever. I always think people think like, oh, I got to go one, one day a week the rest of my life. It's like, no, you go when you need to go. It's like a doctor. You check in, they help you through whatever ailment you have. And then you say like, I'll see you in a couple months, doc. At least that's how therapy has served me the best. Also body work inside that therapy. So either craniosacral or massage or walking. But for me, grief was really physical. I don't know if that was your experience too. It wasn't as much in my head as in my body. It was painful, like being on fire and I couldn't get comfortable. And so a lot of the therapy we did was either laying down or 
integrating massage with talking or something. So I, I always tell people to, if, if talk therapy doesn't work, just sitting on a couch, staring at someone, try to find a modality where you're a little more in your body and a little less in your head and see what you then can speak of from that place. I don't know. It's really interesting. Yeah. No, I, I haven't had much experience with that. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah. it's stored, I, the trauma's in there. It's not in your brain. The trauma is in your body somewhere. It's in your stomach where you feel like you're going to throw up or your heart where you can't swallow or, you know, you just, it hurts. It hurts that first year. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I think I told you that I'm in, I'm in school now to get a master's in social work. So, um, yeah. That's what Nate did. I didn't mention that. Sorry. No, yeah. I, you'll be so good. That's Thank you so God, much. We need, we need another hour, but this is my next question. <laughs> um, and this, you can help me. Do you ever feel like when when grief happens, so and especially because yours was so public and this beautiful essay was written and now you're speaking and doing all these great things, do you ever worry like, I don't want to get pigeonholed as like only talking about grief? Like what, how do we not just move forward in, in our lives with new loved ones and with new careers, but how do we say this was something that happened and it doesn't define us forever? And that's for everybody that's lost someone. I don't always want to be the widow in El Segundo, you know. Um, it's just I don't. I just don't want it to end there. But it seems to be where I am yeah. right now. What are your thoughts on that? Right. No, I agree. You know, my my when I watch when I go back and look at my TED talk, which was in April of eighteen, so about a year after Amy died, I could see like a totally different human being. You know, and the content of that TED talk I think was really important and has continued to this day to to affect people, but. You know, as I've moved on and in my life and in my process after losing Amy, my work around this topic has changed too. You know, I'm not just focusing on what it's like to sit with someone in hospice, for example. I think that's important, really important. But I'm also talking about resilience and finding joy and, and moving on and things like that, which I think is really important as you started this podcast off with to, for people to hear. Yeah, I, I I would love this to evolve over time because it's when people are newly in grief, we have to talk about those things because that's all you can think about. But this whole discussion about loss being bad or that we somehow have been screwed or poor us, I just want that narrative to be challenged. It doesn't mean it doesn't feel that way, but I think to be loved by somebody deeply and then for them to pass on and you go on and have a good life is a gift it's not because we weren't guaranteed anything. So we didn't really lose anything because no one, when we signed up, they weren't like, just so you know, you get them till 86. And that's where they, and then like, we didn't get screwed. So when you lose somebody, and I know there's all different types of grief and different people in your life affect you differently, but can we start to kind of go, wait a minute, this is the story. And how do we lean into accepting it? And going, what's beautiful about it inside all the pain? And I like what you're saying is as time goes on, the story changes. As as the years go by, beautiful things happen and hard things happen. And we just become more able to say like, wow, this kind of ebb and flow of life is the good stuff. I totally agree. You know, I think people walk around and I, I think rightfully so with a lot of uh, guilt in a way about being happy, you know wait a minute, I, I don't know if I'm entitled to be happy. You, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I feel like this is this is who I am. I'm, I'm someone who lost an amazing person in my life and in the world and in the universe, you know. But 
I think it's really important to have these talks, these conversations like we're having now to help people understand that it's okay. It is okay. And that's really what that person wanted for you anyway. You know, and I can tell you for sure from, from, from experience, you know, I know you're, your loss, which I'm so sorry for, also was sudden. You know, mm-hmm. I had I had a bit of time, and and I know that's how Amy felt. And yeah, um, yeah. I, I and I'll 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 share that as you know, people always ask me, "Do you wish you had been able to talk to him?" And when I when you and I first spoke, I love what you said, which is I got to speak to her. And and my experience for people who are had sudden death is that mine was exactly perfect. Because I would have never let that man die if I had been there. I would have pounded on his chest and been like, you do not leave me with a nine and 12 year old. And he was, it turns out he was going to be sick. He had CTE, the concussion brain disease from football. And his heart, he would have needed a heart transplant. He was only 42. It would have been a really tough life for me. And I would have never agreed to letting him go. I would have been, I, I don't, so I, I challenge everybody to look at however your person went to be exactly the way it needed to go and not to create a story around it that the other way would have been better because we don't know. We just know for us, that's how it went down. And I just, I love hearing your story because I'm like, oh, I'm, I could never do that. And you're like, well, I'm sure glad I did that. <laughs> and people are like, right. I couldn't imagine not saying goodbye. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad. I, he just jumped, jumped and was gone. And that I didn't, you know, like, I don't think I could have handled it. So it's interesting that we all, if we want, can create the stories around what happened to give us peace. And we get to write, and you and I both wrote our stories, but each of us gets to write how we want to determine it affected us and it meant what it meant for us, which is the great gift of being a human being. Are you afraid of death anymore? Or has her death given you peace around it? I'm not really afraid of death. I just periodically think, you know, I, I sure hope that I am my kids don't That's lose it. me young, you know. Yeah. That's all <laughs> I, I care just don't about. want that for them, you know. That's all I, I mean, about. it's hard enough for my kids to proceed forward without their mom, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though they have a lot of wonderful, you know, female figures in their lives, but uh that's really the way I think about it. You yeah. Know, I'm not I am not necessarily afraid of death. I I just would I don't want them to have to walk around life that way because I know how hard it would be. Yeah. No, I'm always like, God, let's just like not joke around here. Like I need to be here till about 90. So whatever you need to rearrange to make that work because, no, I feel the same way. I'm not. 90 and not a burden to them, not have to be like, you know, halfway right. here. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I need you. I need you to listen to my plans, God. I need you to do it just like this. I'm going to write it out. Yeah. I feel right. the same way. I think, do you feel stronger than you ever thought? Are you, are you more impressed with yourself and what you went through than you you knew you could do before she passed? Well, that's an interesting way to put it. I, I am really surprised at what, what kind of inner strength you can find. That's, that's really very true. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that, that, that pain that we've been talking about can turn into beauty. That, that shocked me, you know? Amen. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. that's, that's a good one. I wish we had more time, but we're trying to keep these short that people can listen to it in their cars and on their walks. But I would love us no, to we'll continue have to do it this. again. Yeah, yeah. This, this was great. Yeah. Continue yeah. this conversation because I do think there's enough of us. There's so much fear and there's so much grief. And I think coming over after COVID, death is something we have. Our generation hasn't had to talk about as much because we didn't really have wars as as brutal as other generations. But this is um, death is not a new thing. It turns out and. I just would love us to start talking about it because, boy, it is, 
as hard as it is, there are so many gifts and so much beauty inside of it. So thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my it. pleasure. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we're grateful to have you. Thanks, everybody. You thank you for listening. And remember, keep going. It gets better. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.